Well, good morning, Restoration Church. How are you doing? Hey, you're, you're uh, pretending like you didn't lose an hour of sleep last night. Uh, I like that. Thank you for that. Uh, I want to talk about a couple of things before we finish off our series, Pitfalls. And uh, you, you, this is kind of church gossip that I'm going to share with you. Um, so if, close your ears if you need to. Uh, but our, our kids pastor at our Plymouth location, Colin, uh, got engaged over the weekend to the girl who was singing right here, Hannah. So that's pretty neat. It's pretty exciting. Um, and uh, her parents were, were the people not clapping. So uh, in the room, uh, no, just kidding. He, he got approvals as far as I'm aware. And uh, so anyway, congrats to the two of them. Also, um, our church has... Uh, I don't know when we announced it at the beginning of 2021 that we were going to be opening a nonprofit called Restoration Recovery. And so we've been in the process of that. There's really four arms of that, of that ministry. And uh, one of them is a sober living home. And uh, we went before the Rochester Zoning Board on Wednesday night and got uh, approval from them, four yeses and zero noes, uh, approval to, uh, to do that. So that's a big deal. Um, we're under contract for a property in Rochester, and so we were going for approval to, to repurpose that property. Uh, still, they're alluding that there might be more steps we have to take, but also our lawyer is saying there shouldn't be any. So even we, we still haven't confirmed, uh, but we're anyway, we're in process. So we're, that, that closing to purchase that property is underway and happening, and uh, we'll keep you updated as that happens. Um, so we, you know, it's going to be um, getting pretty close to um, buying furniture and doing some construction there. And uh, etc. So uh, that's amazing. Let we've been praying for favor for God to give us favor. So let us thank the Lord together for that for that unanimous vote in our favor. Um, thank you for praying. Thank for you for the all of you who came to the meeting or standing room only. Thank you for those of you who are Rochester citizens for speaking. In our behalf, no one even spoke. No one got up to speak against it. So it was, it was just amazing. So appreciate all of you doing that and participating in that. Last thing is uh, that Pitfalls tournament. Uh, Shane, uh, Shane Chittum, who goes to Milton location, one Sunday, a few Sundays ago, they just, they just locked up the church with him there because... <laughs> He ended up scoring 80,000 points that, uh, that day, so it was, it was taking him too long. So it was just like, hey, doors are all locked. Just make sure that it's shut behind you. Turn off the lights. Then he got 80,000 at our location. Jeremy Gove's son, Jeremy was playing guitar this morning. His son got 70,000, and so there's still a chance that he could, that he could win. And, uh, but so just anyway, just a fun part of our series this month, and... Thank you for participating in it, and we'll see who battles it out for the day's end. Well, Pastor Jeremy is going to either give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down here, but I don't know where he is in the room to know whether or not that's happening. So we are going to jump into our series 
uh, pitfalls. So in this series, the one thing that we've been talking about uh, each week is we've been looking at Scripture looking at our own lives and looking from Scripture that there are some warnings in Scripture that we're, that we're, we're told. We're, and, and Jesus, and, and, and through his word, is saying, hey, pursue me, follow me, but these, you're too far away, my eyes are too old, and your thumb's too small. All right, we're good. I, I, I'm going to show you a video here, and it wasn't confirmed that it actually worked because we had some technical difficulties beforehand. Um, but so, we've been looking at these different pitfalls. We're going to pursue God in, uh, in, you know, in dating. Here are pitfalls to avoid. We're going to pursue God in our marriage. Here are pitfalls to avoid. We're going to pursue God, um, but, but we have, um, you know, our mental health can detract and, and keep us and knock us off course from that. So here's pitfalls to avoid. Today, we're going to talk about pitfalls in finances. And there's probably some obvious ones, but we're going to look at some big picture uh, principles of, of things that Scripture says that kind of warns against and ways that we can live with our finances that are detrimental to our finances, detrimental to our future, even detrimental to our walk with Jesus. Now, I don't know if you've ever done this, and don't ever do this, but have you uh, and don't even raise your hand and admit this. Have you, I don't know if you've ever tried to start a fire with gasoline. That is why you don't try to start a fire with gasoline. He, we, we've got this muted because otherwise it's going to sound like someone flatlined uh, their heart monitor. It's just going to be one singular monotone beep the whole way through. Um, but this is going to go slow motion here for a second. The thing that people don't realize and when they're not paying attention is the vapors are more flammable than even the liquid. You see how it just ballooned there. And uh, he's lucky that gas can didn't explode on him. This is, um, this is something that is kind of an illustration for us as we're thinking about pitfalls and finances. Um, you know, gasoline's a tool that shouldn't be misused, and finances are also a tool that shouldn't be misused. For any teenager thinking like, oh, he survived, I'll survive, or even, any, <laughs> even anybody in the room, because I know sometimes men in their late, thir- late 30s act as stupid as teenagers. Um, but in 2012, two teenagers were killed trying to light a fire with gasoline. A teenage girl lit the bonfire, the, the fire exploded much like this, but it scattered wood up to 100 yards away, and it blew out windows in the back of the house. So we don't use gasoline to start fires. Um, today, as we're finishing up our series on pitfalls, and we have this conversation about money, really money is, it, it, it's not good or bad, all right? It's just a tool. And just as a hammer in the hands of a serial killer is a bad thing, a hammer in the hands of a builder is a good thing. Money in the hands of someone who, who has wisdom and someone who's following God's word is, is not even just a good thing, it's a great thing. As it makes differences, not just in your own life, but it makes differences in the lives of people across the entire world. But money in the hands of someone who's not paying attention, in the hands of someone who wants to misuse it, 
It becomes a dangerous thing. There's an opportunity for, to, if you use it wisely, for it to affect your family, the church, and for it to move the kingdom of God forward. Now, there are um, a, a kind of all, all bunch of studies of finances in the United States, lots of, lots of probably scary stats, but one that I want to share with you first is the financial decisions that people regret most. So we're going to walk through these, and uh, I'll talk you through these. So here's you know, mistake number one of regret number one, the highest regret, not saving for retirement early enough. So if you're a teenager in the room, get started. It's going to be the easiest for you. And if you're at a certain point, you're older, and you think it's a waste, it's too late, listen, it's still start now. All right, You're, these people, their regret was not starting early enough. A bigger regret would be having never started. All right, the next one is not saving for emergencies, too much credit card debt, too much student loan debt, not saving enough for children's education, buying more house than they could afford, or some other financial decision. Uh, yeah. So th- these People have made regrets. I'm sure every single one of us has made regrets. Everybody at every location, if you've ever made a financial decision you regret, would you raise your hand? Yes, I certainly have. Hey, Michelle, would you do me a favor? Will you grab me that box of tissues? Let's talk through the... Let's talk through uh, some of these pitfalls that, uh, that are talked about in Scripture and that you may be, you may be doing, and, uh, or maybe you can spare yourself from, from getting stuck in them. The first pitfall is owing. Owing someone else money. Owing someone else anything, being in debt to another person or organization or lender or bank. This scripture has been probably made famous most by, uh, by Dave Ramsey, author and radio show host. He, he quotes the scripture, just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. Proverbs 22, 7. When we're trying to live our lives and, and, and we're thinking being financially independent and, and, and you know, acquiring the things we want, enjoying the things we want, what we don't realize is now when we, when we, um, when we owe to someone else, we are now servant to that other person. We are now responsible to the other person. And the things that we own, some of the things that we own, we don't actually own. We're just, a, we're just stewarding it for the bank. We're just taking care of it for the bank. We're just paying it so the repo man doesn't come take it away from us. The average debt in um, the average uh, uh, American has a, a consumer debt of $38,000. So that's not including a mortgage payment. And that's not even, uh, consumer debt is not including student loans. $38,000 in debt. 
And um, uh, so just a couple of things about this. Debt in itself is not a wrong thing. Uh, and the Bible never says don't go in debt, but there's certainly many, many cautions about debt. Very quickly, you can find yourself upside down and very quickly, without a lot of effort, you can find yourself stuck in a pitfall. Um, the average credit card interest rate is 16.3%. And I want you to think of it this way, all right? One thing that debt does is um, it's almost like a, a reverse tithe, uh, you know, in the most negative way you could, you could understand that. As Christians, one thing that we live and practice and that we understand from God's word is that we, when we've, when, when we've received from God, everything that we have, it is his. It is on loan to us from him, everything. Our kids on loan. You can have them back. Our, our, our houses, our cars, our jobs, our paycheck, all on loan from him. And one thing in that process that we do as worship, that we do as saying, hey, God, you are my source and my provider and my God, is we give back 10% to him. And our goal is that that's actually the starting place of generosity in our life. That's the starting line. But it's a difficult thing for many people to do, to begin to take that step to give 10% of their income. And I want you to compare this now with, uh, with interest rates and with, and with debt. What we say to God is, hey, God, I can't give you 10% of what you've given me yesterday. But we will say to the bank, hey, I'll give you 16% of what I'll have tomorrow. And it's easy for, easier for us to give away what we don't have than it is to give away what we've already been given. And then think about the kind of the misplaced, uh, just even the bad practice of that. If we were to do this in any other area of our life, you know, if we were to do this in our house and say, all right, I went running, so now I can have this birthday cake. If we do the opposite of that and say, I want to eat this birthday cake and I'm going to go running tomorrow, what happens? Well, I'll look up some of my Facebook pictures from a couple years ago. That's what happens. <laughs> the... That, we, get, we start getting ourselves in trouble when we begin to say, I'll do tomorrow what I, what I should be doing today. And tithing is, is saying, hey, you, what you're telling the bank is, hey, bank, trust me that I'll have this tomorrow and that I'll pay you tomorrow. Instead of saying, God, I trust the same way you provided yesterday, you'll provide tomorrow. And so it's a whole different shift to saying, who, who should be trusting whom? Should the bank be trusting me or should I be trusting my God? And, um, and so just a different way for you to think about this. If you are going to begin to raise your kids in this, here's one little thing that I've done with my kids um, mostly because I can be absent-minded, but partially, too, because I want them 
I don't want them to rely on me as their bank or their mom as their bank or even rely on a bank in the future. But we go to the store, my kids have birthday money or, or Christmas money or money from, you know, money from whatever. They'll go to want to buy something. Hey, dad, can I buy this? And my question would be, do you have money? They'll say, yeah, I've got birthday money. Do you have it with you? No, I don't have it with me. All right, then you can't buy it. Well, I'll pay you back when I get home. That sounds great. It sounds like I'm going to forget and you're going to get some free toys out of this or some free food out of this. So we're not going to do that. If you don't have the money with you, then you can't buy it right now. The next time you want to buy something, then you wait. You bring the money with you ahead of time and you buy it. One interesting thing that happens with my kids is they can't buy it in the moment. Usually the next day, they don't want to buy it anymore. And so they're learning a secondary thing. Not always what we need do we really, really need. And uh, this, is, this is, again, just helping them to think, don't owe me. It's a weird thing that um, when you have to give someone money that you borrowed from them, it's a very painful thing. I remember being a teenager and borrowing money from, uh, from a sibling and borrowing money from a parent and borrowing money from a friend and then getting paid that $60 from my part-time job and realizing, oh, I owe my dad $50, I owe my friend $3, and now I've got, do the math, I've got $7. Uh, <laughs> And then I tithe $6, I've got a dollar left to fill my gas tank. And that, my, my vehicle back then took premium gas. It was like a buck 25 a gallon. <laughs> and it was rough. Um, and, and I have no money left. And I realized, what did I do? Like I've spent all my money before I even have my, now I have no money. So it is not worth it. It is a pitfall to get in, but it is a pitfall you can get out. Um, currently, one of our circles is going through Financial Peace University, which is a, which is a great teaching, a great help. Um, you know, if it's too late for you to jump in now, they'll do it again. That's probably one of the greatest resources you can get in to get in, take that class. Not just learn how to get out of debt, but learn how to get into the financial plans that God has for your life. He wants to equip you to be a generous giver. Here's the second pitfall. It is wasting. Um, I don't know if you know this, but when COVID hit and everybody was stuck in home, there, there was a few people who profited from that. One of those was Amazon. From 2019 to, uh, to uh, uh, May of last year, their profits increased. They're already very, very profitable. Their profits increased by 220%. So it was an increase of profits of over $6 billion. An increase of profits. So they were already profitable. I didn't pay attention to how much. And then they got $6 billion higher than that in profit. It's unbelievable. Now I want you to think back to some of those things you bought on Amazon in 2020 during quarantine and think how many of those things were worth it? How many of those things do you still have? 
Um, how many of those things did you get swindled money on? And all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute, we could have paid off the car. Wait a minute, we had a down payment for a house. Wait a minute. And even on a monthly basis, if you begin to open up your bank account and begin to just write down, pick, pick, maybe pick your coffee spot and say, all right, let's figure out how much money we spend a month buying coffee. Bam, 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 300 bucks. Okay, 300 bucks every month we're spending on coffee. And usually for Michelle and I, the thing that helps us to stop wasting money on, on, on some of the things like that is having a vision of something different instead. Um, so if you were, hey, we're spending 300 bucks a month on coffee, what if we didn't do that and instead we spent $200 a month on, on, something, on clothes or on tools or on, and all of a sudden like there's something that's gonna last longer. It allows you to reprioritize what if we, instead of spending this money on coffee, we gave this to kingdom builders and all of a sudden now you've discovered a way to give like you wanted to, but you couldn't figure out how. We're just wasting it. God's entrusted it to us and we're not even paying attention to where it goes. Proverbs 21.20 says, the wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. If you get a tax return this year, what are you going to do? How are you going to think it through? Plan ahead. Don't just waste it. Have a deliberate plan in place. And if you're going to waste it, do it with a plan. All right? If it has a plan, it's, not, it's a different category than wasting. Think about this, you know, just the different ways that you're probably wasting money and you haven't even thought about it. The gym membership that you don't use, the streaming service that you don't use, the food that you keep throwing away out of your fridge every week, um, paying late fees on stuff, paying overdraft fees on, uh, on your bank account, just little different ways that in the course of a year, $600, $1,000, $2,000, um, if instead of wasting it, you were able to even give that to kingdom builders, how could that money now, it would be adding people to the kingdom of God instead of, instead of not, it, really, it doesn't even do anything. All right, here's the, the third one here. Maybe you've never thought about this before, but the third pitfall is wishing. First Timothy chapter six, verse number nine. I don't know, I don't know if, you've, if you've ever paid attention to this before. But people who long to be rich fall into what? Pitfalls. And they're trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. I wish I was rich. I wish, you know, one of the least productive conversations you can have at your family gatherings are, what you would do if you won the lottery. And I know my family had that conversation every Thanksgiving. One of my aunts, my, you know, one of my aunts who I, who I love very much, she's since passed away. But ever since I was a little kid, 
Every Thanksgiving, they talked about what they would do when they were millionaires. Every summer vacation, as our different families, they'd end up renting a house together on the lake. They would talk about, if I were a millionaire, I, we'd, we'd, I'd buy everyone a lake house. You know, this is a long time ago. You could probably, you could afford that. Um, but it was this dreaming, this longing, this wishing. So one thing that that does is because we're wishing to be rich, we end up owing because we're trying to act rich. We're trying to pretend that we have a lifestyle that we don't have. We're trying to fit in with friends who maybe have a, who have an income that we do not have. And this gets us stuck. This is probably the pitfall that you're doing that you're least aware of. You never thought about how it was affecting you, how it was setting your behaviors, and how even it was causing you to um, a, a loss of joy and contentment in your life. Proverbs 28.20 says, the trustworthy person will get a rich reward, but a person who wants quick riches will get into trouble. Another pitfall warning. The get rich quick scheme. That I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this and that's what's going to finally get me wealthy. It'll happen fast. And we want to be rich in you, 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 we want to be rich in a weekend where we buy a lottery ticket and then we win. We want to be rich, you know, in a, let's build a business and then let it explode. And then, you know, in a year or two, we'll be rich. And we're trying to scheme and make it happen. And this is some of the, you know, it takes a long time to get a brush fire going. Let's just pour gasoline all over this thing. I'm not sure how you've done this or what you do, but scripture talks to us, again, not to think in short term, but to think in long term, to live out scripture, to live out the, 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 the uh, guidelines financially that the Bible lays out, likely you won't get rich quick. But what will happen over a lifetime, as you tithe, as you save, as you invest, what happens over a lifetime as you live out God's financial plan, God's financial design? Not only is there wealth, but all of a sudden wealth isn't even the goal. Giving and generosity and building the kingdom of God is the goal. There are some famous people that we've referenced before, but one of them, um, uh, Stanley Tam, who we've talked about at different times in the series, uh, he, he's since passed away, but the time I heard him speak, he and his wife had given $128 million to missions. He, what he began to do was uh, something that I've heard other people talk about, but they begin to do a reverse tithe. And so instead of saying, we're going to give 10%, they tried to every year lower their income. And by the end of it, he was living on 10%. And certainly his, 
he had a gigantic wage. He was given $128 million over his lifetime, which increased by the time he passed away. Um, but he's thinking differently. What if we have a cap on our income? So God, this is as much as I need. Maybe I'll increase it cost of living, but anything above that, I'm going to give. And all of a sudden, when you have a heart like that, over time, what does God do? Well, we, I mean, I've met these people. They're giving, they're not giving 10 or 20% of their income. They're giving 200% of their income. And they said, this is what we need to live. And so God, this is, we're asking you to provide this. Anything above this, God, we're going to give. And that is how people like Stanley Tam end up giving millions of dollars. Famously, uh, you know, some of you would, you know, Colonel Sanders, he became a Christian late in his life, started his business late in his life. He went to an Assembly of God church, which we are, and, uh, and gave in, in the last years of his life, gave away millions of dollars to sending missionaries around the world. I had um, the owners of Hobby Lobby um, I've I, I met them. They go to an Assembly of God church like Restoration Church in, in the Midwest. Um, they started their business, Hobby Lobby, in their garage, and they give over $300 million away every year. Just give it away. They, had, they start a foundation, and, and now they give. It's just what they do. It's too much money. They have to have a board to give away their money. It's too much money to give away. It's not, they have a hard time giving away money sometimes because they keep, God keeps replenishing it faster than they can make, than they can verify that these are worthy investments, that these are investments that will move the kingdom of God forward. It's a different way of thinking. Instead of wishing, begin to do something about it. Let me, uh, let me write this in my notes for next service, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a little bit transparent with you. Sometimes I always regret that, especially when I didn't uh, plan on it. So maybe you don't want to know this, all right, but I'm going to tell you anyway, let you in behind the curtain. I'm a pastor. <laughs> Thank you, Captain Obvious. <laughs> One of the things that I heard growing up, even as a teenager, as I was trying to become a ministry minister, I wouldn't just hear it here, but you hear it, you hear it all the time. Oh, if a millionaire came to our church. Imagine if a millionaire came in our church. There was a time where if a millionaire came in our church, we get a tithe that was equal to a third of, of, our, of our income. So you just begin to wish Oh, we could do this renovation. We could buy these things. We could hire these staff. Imagine if a millionaire came to our church and, be, and people would begin to think that. First off, uh, there are millionaires who go to our church, all right? And they're not any different than you. They're not any different than me. They're just, it's just what God's trusted them with, all right? And um, oftentimes, the millionaire... It's not who you'd expect. And you can Google librarian from University of New Hampshire and read his story. So he left, I think it was $6 million to the university when he passed. And it was just a librarian who saved. Um, but so we begin to, people begin to say that. And I find myself as a young lead pastor of Restoration Church thinking kind of the same thing. But, you know, we, you, uh, 
There was a, a time early on where we lost a third of our financial giving as, as, uh, through, through transition and people leaving. And we had two campuses. We went down to one. We lost a third of our, of our yearly budget. That's a lot. Every, every staff took a pay cut, including me. And it was touch and go there for a little while. I began even thinking, God, if you just send one millionaire. And one day I was driving in my, in my pickup truck and, and I had this thought which turned into this prayer, God, why don't you just make me the millionaire and I'll give. And it was, that, and that was not a get rich quick scheme so, and I didn't begin to pray, so give me a lottery number, God. But no, I just begin to, God, I'm going to stop believing for you to send someone to give. And I'm going to start believing that in my lifetime, I'll be the person who can give like that. And a lot, a lot of the, not a lot, but some of the financial decisions we've made have been a part of that prayer. As we've bought broken down, dumpy houses and lived in them, as we fixed them up and then sold them, as we've done that a few times. It was deliberately a part of that prayer. All right, God, I, I know what a pastor in New Hampshire, I know what the salary is. But I also know, God, that you own the cattle on a thousand hills. So you're not just a millionaire or a billionaire. You're the most wealthy person on earth because you actually own earth. <laughs> and, and so I am just kind of, God, if you give me the ability to give, we'll give it. And, and there's, been, there's been seasons in our life where we've given more than, we, than, than was capable, where our lending agent says, uh, I think there's a typo on this. And then when he realizes it's not a typo, he says, how is that possible? Where our tax guy is, is questioning us and asking to see our giving letters because because he doesn't want to get audited or, and, and asking, how is that possible? Honestly, I look back on it. I don't know how it was possible. Except that we prayed a prayer and said, God, this is what our income is. Anything ab- this is what we need. Anything above that we'll give. And God has done that. Last one real quick. The bands can come up at each uh, as a locations. The last Pitfall is hoarding. Just getting money and not doing anything with it. Not, not thinking generously, not thinking investment, not thinking helping others. Proverbs eleven twenty four through 27 says, Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. People curse those who hoard their grain, but they bless the one who sells in time of need. If you search for good, you will find favor, but if you search for evil, it will find you. Hoarding is a pitfall. You know, and I've, I, I've um, met churches who've done this. They won't, they won't hire a staff member. They won't do a community outreach. because They won't 
renovate a facility because they um, because they're afraid of not having a reserve account, and they and and and, and this is true. They have nearly a million dollars in the bank that they won't touch and spend. Listen, we look at the parable of the talents and realize this is not what God wants for us. Now, God tells us to save. He tells us to invest. He tells us to leave an inheritance for our children. So having it is not hoarding it. Saving it and investing it and taking 10 parables and 10 talents and turning them into 20 is something that God commends. But hoarding it is a whole, this is a whole different heart problem where greed comes in, where, um, where you lose faith in God and his ability to provide. When he asks you to say, hey, I've had you save this up for a while. Now I need to. And all of a sudden you don't trust in God anymore. You trust in that bank account. Hoarding turns you into Schmeagle, right? My precious ring. Defined Financial Group had this stat that I came across this week. It says the average American gives $17 weekly to their place of worship. So that's beyond just a Christian denomination. So if you're tithing, that's a yearly income of $8,840. And so if we believe the tithe is one thing that we look at. Oh, God, am I being faithful with the tithe? Maybe, maybe I haven't been paying attention. Maybe I haven't may have missed a few weeks. Am I being faithful with that? But hoarding says, I need more, I need more, I need more, I need more. It's not enough, it's not enough. God, you've got to do more. When you increase my pay, God, then I'll start tithing. And it's hoarding, holding on too tightly. And Proverbs 11, what did it say? Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy, lose everything. The person who's generous, God is generous too. The person who's stingy, God doesn't bless. God wants to be your source and your provider. He wants to do miracles through you. He doesn't want you to be the miracle maker. Avoid these pitfalls. Don't light fires with gasoline. All right? The biblical principle is small fires turning into big bonfires. Budgeting, saving, investing. That builds a bonfire. That it builds, that's, that's something much different. That's something that, that benefits other people for their enjoyment, for their joy, for their recreation, for their heat, for their s'mores. Like it is something that blesses a community, right? You have community bonfires. Think through just yourself and begin to open your hearts to the possibilities of what God wants to do through you. If you're in these pitfalls, you're stuck in some of these pitfalls, there are ways out. It takes a while. I mean, it could take you two, four, ten years to get out of the, 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 the financial problems you put yourself in, but if you'll trust God and you'll be faithful to God, He'll start backfilling that and helping you get out faster than you could on your own. He'll turn it around. He wants you to be a generous giver. He wants to be generous towards you. He wants you to impact this church, this community, and the world through Kingdom Builders. 
That's his heart for you. And he invites you into that opportunity. Listen, close your eyes. Let me pray for you. And then we'll let Pastor Jeremy come and close out, or our location pastors come and close out the services. Jesus, we, we love you so much. And uh, we thank you for talking about this in your word. As we just think through of every spiritual thing, I think it's surprising sometimes that you didn't talk more about heaven, that you didn't, um, you, you know, that you weren't just teaching theology all the time, but that you were teaching us how to live. Because you understand that how we live, every part of how we live, it's spiritual. And every part of how we live determines um, what you're able to do through us, determines our joy here on this earth. It determines even our eternity. God, for those who are just stuck in the middle of this pitfall, just stuck, we close this series with the verse we opened in. That you pull us out of the miry clay. You pull us out of that pitfall, out of that swamp. And you set our feet on the ground on the firm foundation. And that's a promise for every single person in our church. You're going to take us out of the pitfalls that we've found ourselves in. You're going to take us out of these out of these pits and out of this mud, whether it's dating and our marriage and our finances and in our mental health and our physical health. You are going to pull us out of that and put our feet on firm ground, put our feet standing on your word, living out your path, living out your calling, living out your future. Jesus, we love you we thank you that even in the mess we put ourselves in you're not reluctantly rescuing us but you are joyfully and with compassion reaching your hand out to us thank you for loving us and for forgiving us we love you too and we pray this in Jesus name amen we stand to your feet let's sing for a moment to end service